They say, don't fight the Fed. It's in full force at the moment. We've got a negative real wealth effect that's impacting the US and global consumer at the moment. We've got hedging flows, de-risking flows, plaguing markets. We've got risk aversion clearly kicking us in the face at the moment, hitting us full force. It's all happening. Blake and I discussed that in the trade-off. Well, hi, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris West, and I'm head of research here at Pepstone. And I am going to be joined in two seconds for, with Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be navigating, we're going to be dissecting all the landmines that are going through in this global world of financial markets. And there are plenty, plenty of landmines uh, to, tick, to stick our teeth into at the moment. But as always, Blake and I are going to be talking about various factors that are driving financial markets. We're going to be talking about things that we like, but we want to hear from you. What are you trading? How are you trading them? How are you seeing the world? How are you feeling it from what, from what you're trading and how you're seeing markets evolve at the moment? So leave your comments. We want your comments and we want to be able to reply to them where we can. If you find yourself liking the program, we really appreciate you liking that as well. And if there's anything that Blake and I say, you want us to explore it, well, we'll try and explore it with you as well as part of the community. So yeah, get involved in, that, in, in those comments section and leave a section and, and try and yeah, talk to us about how you're feeling the market. I'm going to bring Blake into the program without further, further ado. Blake, my good man. Um, I want to talk to you about volatility quickly before we go into all the factors that are driving the volatility. Um, are, do we get to a sense now that we've had volatility so high for such an ex extended period? People have had to adapt. They've been forced to. If they haven't, then they've been chopped out. Um, do we get to a point now where we're starting to see this volatility as the new normal and people are becoming more desensitized to this vol regime? Well, it's good to see you, Chris. And, uh, you know, we did have this discussion last week about be careful with higher volatility, widen your stops, take down your position size. And to answer or to, to address your question about are traders becoming a little bit more desensitized? I believe so. I think traders are at least getting used to what they're seeing. But, you know, if they're a newer trader, they probably haven't experienced summer trading. So, you know, we're in the uh, in the height of the sell in May, go away, the uh, the eye of the storm, if you will. And I'm sure things are going to subside a little bit, but you know, maybe volatility is here to stay. And that's a good thing if you're a trader. You just have to, you know, stay nimble and and don't get married to positions. That's right, mate. I can just imagine you in the summer, you're going to be on your in your swimming pool in the Hamptons, uh, trading on your on your iPhone off your yeah. uh, pink flamingo in the in the swimming pool, mate. It's going to be uh, you still keep the you still keep the volatility going, won't you, mate? I can I can honestly say I have done that not on a pink flamingo, <laughs> but uh, but I have done that before, not on not all the time. Well, let's go into the drivers of that volatility. Let's have a look at what's going on in markets on that weekly segment. Let's go into topical funder. Well, I always talk about sentiment in the, in, in the opening segment of this because it's, it really is just such where, yeah, markets are driven by fear and greed, aren't they, at the end of the day? And, um, you know, sentiment's such a massive part of what we're seeing. And sentiment is, 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 to my opinion, it's chopped to pieces. It has been for a while. And, yeah, we've had people trying to pick bottoms because of negative sentiment readings or very, very subdued sentiment readings. And I think, yeah, that, that tends to work. And we can tend to get those contrarian positions working quite well in, in periods of drawdown. But what I don't think people tend to do, Blake, is they tend to sort of differentiate between bear markets and 
ones when you're actually just getting a, a drawdown within a bull market. Um, and, and we're in a bear market right now. And, and we've got a Federal Reserve who are trying to engineer a negative wealth effect. I mean, we saw Jerome Powell speaking this week. Yeah, he was pretty, he had every opportunity to push back, didn't he? Actually push, continued with the Mary Daly line effectively in some capacities and said, you know, if they want to, if they have to, they'll take the Fed funds rate through their neutral rate. Um, and the market, you know, after a second blush has looked at that, we've seen, you know, some, some, Shocking earnings coming through from, you know, from uh, from Target. We've seen that from Walmart at the moment. You know, if anyone wanted second information that the, the consumer are going to pay back, yeah, we've seen it in those earnings there as well. We've got poor liquidity in markets. Um, yeah, the ability to get out of markets in size is, is there. You know, deleveraging are coming through in funds. We continue to see de-risking and and um, you know, hedging flows taking place at the moment. Um, for me. And I talk about this in the charts. I, I, I still think markets go lower. I, I think risk goes lower. Um, and I don't want to fight the Fed. And that means that we, at this moment, until we get that signal, um, I, I still see that, that, that we can see financial conditions tighter and equity markets lower. How are you seeing it? Well, I, I, I agree with you. And, and you're right. The, the Fed is actually doing a really good job engineering, uh, you know, wealth destruction, if you will, currently. And, uh, and it looks like that is going to continue. And, you know, I think the Fed's got to be really careful about sentiment. You know, we talked about this, I believe last week, Chris mm. talked about sentiment being like a it's kind of like that inflation genie you, you stick in a bottle when you let it out, like we've got it right now. Sentiment's kind of the same way. If it turns too aggressively, it starts to weigh on the consumer. It starts to weigh, you know, on, on, on business sentiment mm -hmm. all, all the way around. And, and that's, that's usually not a good thing when you're talking about a high inflationary environment that we're in right now. So you got two mm -hmm. genies, a negative sentiment genie out of the bottle and an inflation genie out, out, out of the bottle right now. What does the Fed do to turn things around? You know, one of the things I'm thinking may happen soon is you might start to see the Fed talk down or, or, or reduce the hawkish rhetoric. And the reason why I say that is because we can get to a point where you can watch their actions, but doesn't mean that their, that you, 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 their actions might be different than their words. So that's something that the Fed might start incorporating soon. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they actually be pretty happy with the way things are going at the moment. I think it's continue to continue to deflate these bubbles, I think it's continued to, to, to you know, rein the consumer in and balance demand with what we've been seeing with supply and, and create that equilibrium. Though. So for me, well, until, we get the, until we get the signal, and that signal to me comes from the Fed and they say, you know, these tightening financial conditions now may start to affect our ability to set policy. We may have to ease up on quantitative tightening. That's your Fed puts in there, the market rallies, but we're nowhere near that point at the moment. So, yeah. All right. Think, well, well, you 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 said you said actually the key word that I was I was like trying to cue in on you. Uh, you said bubble. So I got to talk about crypto right now. <laughs> Let's take us over to crypto. You know, I, I guess I got to ask the question, Chris. Is the nightmare over? I mean, and and I know we've had this conversation in the past about crypto. I don't know if I've had an opportunity on this show since we've been doing it to really talk in depth like I do daily with our with our you know traders that mm -hmm. that I, I deal with on a daily basis. But I do talk in depth about the crypto market really mirroring the 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 very similar market conditions that we had in 1999 and 2000 2001 and we were seeing the dot com bubble just kind of 
all over again. And as I was talking with, you know, some of the, the, the producers behind the scenes, I'm like, this is very reminiscent of what we've saw back then. And uh, it takes a good 25, 30 years to get a whole new generation of investors back in the market. You know, people get excited about things. And, you know, I still think that there is more pain to come when you talk about cryptos. I, I, I look at a lot of these altcoins, Chris, and they've moved 80%, 85% off their highs. But I saw the very similar situation in a lot of internet stocks. And guess what those eventually went to? Zero. And not all of them, not all of them, there were the Amazons that, that, that emerged from the, uh, the rubble. There were the Netflixes. So there will be those cryptos that do come out of it. But that's what I think has to happen next. You got to see a mm. massive shakeout. I think people keep still buying these uh, these dips thinking, hey, we're at some support. We've lost 80, 80% of our value. Yeah. What do you think here, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I kind of think that we're going to come out of this at the end um, and we're going to have a much cleaner structure. There's going to be less leverage in the system. I think, yeah, the economy will be, um, we'll, we'll have to go through some pain, but I think the, the refresh that's going to take place as a result of this will, will may, may could, could be put us in a better spot. But with regards to your question on crypto, no, we're not out of the woods. I don't think we are as well. We what, What's positive is that if you go from January 21, there's this, you know, a couple of major support levels around sort of 28,500. Now, we've held them. We've seen buyers below that. So the market's very keen to support. Yeah, if you just take crypto, Bitcoin as your sort of marquee one there, the market's, market's been very happy to, to, to provide some, to, to bid it up and, and close it above that level. But if it goes, then, you know, this, this is traded from the short side and, and the short side only, in my opinion, or you, you're not in a position at all. We're just holding that level at the moment. And we've seen clear support coming through. But if that goes, short it and it's going down. And it's I mean, going down a lot. It, it it is and and you you know you take all these products, Chris, and how many how many crypto assets are or crypto products are there in the world right now? I don't know. <laughs> a lot, right? I mean, over ten thousand. Yeah. I mean, that's some somewhere that there are going whether it's Ethereum or Bitcoin. Look, I've got my cold storage ready. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm going to deploy that right now, but I'm going to be picking up some crypto at some point, but yeah. I don't think the time is now. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, go to DeFi and all the yield stuff. I think that's a really interesting spot right now. Um, yeah, I mean, tell me where tell me where the NASDAQ's going um, and, and I'll tell you where crypto's going. I think it's a high beta to plan that and I think they're both going down, to be honest. So, yeah, I, yeah you, you, we work in a world of, of distributions of probabilities. And, and the highest skew for me is that crypto goes lower in the short term as well. So let's talk about that another time. But that, that's that's the way that I'm seeing as well. Um, I think it's interesting if we have a look at what's priced into the rates market, Blake. You know, we talk about a lot of the stuff that's going on in markets at the moment. Let's have a look at um, you know, interest rate markets um, are telling us a clear message. Now, I don't have anything to portray this right now. But if you go into what's priced for 22 this year, you know, the US, what, we've got 200 basis points of hikes. Bank of England, we've got 125. We've got 100 basis points of hikes being priced in the ECB. You go into next year, into 2023, and we've got you know, more rate hikes, but obviously that pace comes down substantially. These central banks are raising them, um, and, and they are front-loading them effectively. But what's really interesting, if you go into 2024, um, the market is telling you that, that something is going to change. And people may be hedging recessionary risk, but I think equity markets are pricing and a 70, 75% chance of a recession playing in the US, probably more in Europe, um, recession and pivot in the UK. But let's have a look at what's priced in in terms of rate cuts. And this is the message, rate 
cuts are being priced in. 43 basis points of rate cuts are being priced into UK swaps for 2024. Nearly 30 basis points of cuts for the Fed meeting, uh, for the Fed in, in 2024. Um, you know, in Europe now, they've just moved to a slight, slight propensity for rate cuts. We've got Australia, we've got about five, we've got 11 basis points of cuts being priced into Kiwi rates at the moment. So what's that telling me? Um, you know, it tells me people are hedging against that, but they're going to raise rates aggressively. They're going to smack demand. It's going to cut off consumer spending and 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 demand. And and you're going to see a situation where the, the central banks are going to pivot into cuts. What does it tell you, Blake? What is it? How are you reading this? I just went long the S and P just now while you were talking. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking about <laughs> that. No, I no. <laughs> but but what that tells what that tells us is that that at some point the market does see relief from this hiking cycle. And, they say a and policy mistake. They say a mistake, it, don't they? That, well, that's why it's all front-loaded right now. It, it is. They're, every central bank right now is playing catch-up. The transitory message was kaput. It was wrong. And and everybody realized that the, the Fed and every other central bank is, is perfect. You know, we, are, we are going to get a half a basis point hike the next two meetings, at least here in the U.S., but then what happens after that? That's a great question. But that's why I think that's why I think, Chris, that the rhetoric, you might hear the Fed try to talk the market off the ledge pretty soon, where you start to hear them say, you know, maybe not be so hawkish, but we always have to watch the action. And I think I don't think the I think the action is kind of set in stone now. I'll, t- I'll and, tell you what's, and, interesting, what's interesting for me, Blake. Yeah. 50 basis points is a lock on now. Yeah, for, for the June meeting. 50 basis points for July. They get up to 100 basis points extra. Then we go into Jackson Hole, which is one of the most beautiful places in, in, in the world, right? I've never been there myself, but it is a beautiful place. And in, in, in Jackson Hole, in, uh, they're going to be a massive symposium there and they're going to be you know, chewing the fat. That could be very, very interesting, especially if equity markets continue to fall. That could be a point for a, for a major pivot in central bank policy. That could be the place where I think Jerome Powell, um, if, if markets are really getting smashed into that, could be forced to say, all right, let's do it. So yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's maybe that's but there's a lot of time, Chris, between now and then. And so that's why I need to take us over to our next yeah. topic of topical thunder. Is uh, I gotta talk about what's the safe haven play right now. I mean, you know, I, we 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 haven't seen gold respond. Bonds have been just under pressure, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about a technical setup in bonds in a little bit. The dollar has performed, but you know, I made a point and I actually just tweeted it just a little while ago before we started the recording of this show that even though the US equity markets were down four percent today, roughly, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what index you're looking at, the dollar didn't act that well. And you know, minus the yen. I mean, yeah, the euro was down a little bit and, and it broke back below 105, but we're not we're not near 10350 where we were at last week. Um, you know, the the Aussie dollar is still hovering just below 70 cents. And it by the way, that that trade set up really well for us last week. But but I, I look around, Chris, and I'm like, what if 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 equity markets continue to slide globally? Let's say the crypto, let's say Bitcoin breaks 28K, the 28.5 level you're talking about. We see 25, we see 20. What what happens? What what do you buy in this type of environment? What do you think? Yen. Really? No, look. So you think treasuries? I I, I agree with treasuries. What drives the market? What drives the market? Well, what is driving the narrative? 
you know, when we saw the risk aversion play before, you know, a couple of months ago, it was because um, we were seeing a central bank divergence playing through, and that meant buying dollars. Um, and and the, the heart of the the risk off narrative was this 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 move um, to price rates, and you know that meant rates rate expectations were going up, central banks were driving rate expectations, treasuries were selling off, and yields were going off, and then equities followed. This time around, um, yeah. So you didn't use treasuries as, as 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 a safe haven play within the portfolio. You just bought dollars because that was, yeah, the, the central bank divergence play. It had the strongest negative relationship with equity markets. Therefore, if yeah. you want to increase the diversification in the portfolio, you just bought dollars. What we're seeing now is growth being called into question. People are asking, is there going to be a global recession, or is it going to be confined? Is there going to be a recession in the US, or you know, what's happening with China, Russia, all these other factors? Growth is being called into question, so it's a different dynamic. How do you hedge yourself against falling growth? How do you hedge yourself against stagflation, if not recession? You buy the Japanese yen, you buy treasuries. So treasuries is now working as defense in your portfolio. When volatility kicks up, what's been the, the what's been the the currency which works above and above? above everything else, the Japanese yen. So the market's telling you what they want to buy so, because the so same, if, but it's the narrative that drives it, right? So if you buy yen, can you buy gold then? Because gold's been beaten to an oblivion. I mean, you know, I, I, so I, I know I want to, I know the gold bugs want to hear you say it. So say it, Chris, say it, say it. Buy, buy gold, or I'm, <laughs> I would buy gold in the Aussie dollar. There you go. Oh, oh I mean, man. Gold, gold in US solid terms isn't doing anything, mate. I mean, I mean, if you really want to hedge yourself, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad against gold, but gold's working in foreign currencies outside of the yen and outside of the dollar. Um, but right, what, what, right. is, what is working well is what you want to stick to, in my opinion. So the market's shown you that if, if, if you want to hedge yourself against the deteriorating growth narrative, you buy treasuries and you buy the Japanese yen. That's what's working at the moment. Don't shoot me. Shoot the market, Blake. I think that's where you're going with this. Anyway, let's go into that's a setup uh, and have a look at what's, uh, what charts are on our mind right now. Well, I'm going to go straight to the old chestnuts, uh, US 500. Um, you know, we talked about it last week. I wanted to see uh, a weekly close below the neckline to see. Well, I didn't want to see it. I mean, that was just the, the, the technicals being set up there. But you can see we've got a, a multi-month head and shoulders pattern. We, we managed to close just above it last week on a weekly basis. We had a bit of a pop. I thought we might be able to pop up into 4150. It's a 38% retracement of the of the move lower. We didn't quite get there. The market's reversed now. I don't trust this market, Blake. I mean, we could be up tomorrow. We've got such deep negative gamma from the options world. What does that mean? It just means the market's free to move around. We can be assured of movement. Um, but yeah, we go back to a lot of what we've been saying here, and that is is, is the market is the Fed are pretty comfortable with the equity market falling. We've now got um, you know, a whole raft of different corporates who are coming. The consumer seems to be responding to the negative wealth effect. Um, yeah, it, it feels to me that, that, that when we look at when we look at the distribution of outcomes for for this market, it feels like they're skewed to the downside here. Um, but that that neckline there, which is sort of being oscillated around, if we can close below that on a weekly basis, then we you flip it to a weekly chart, and you've got a 200 week move, moving average um, closer towards um, you know significantly lower than these levels at the moment. So, yeah, I, I favour the downside here. The technicals are telling me that, that it needs work. But what are you thinking? Well, I think that uh, the 4100 level is what I like to call the bullish 
or bearish line in the sand. And what that simply means is that sand, that, that line that you draw with your toe through the sand, hey, if it's below 4,100, you gotta be bearish. If it's above 4,100, you start, start thinking of squeeze. And we hit it to a T and reverse this week. So as long as we remain 4,100 or below, I think you have to have a bearish uh, tilt on the market as well. I, I, I don't see any reason why I should be buying other than sentiment is pretty extreme right now, but that isn't necessarily a reason to be buying the I'll tell you what's going to be interesting, flow and inflows and outflows. There's been massive outflows um, from equity funds this year. If you were to see signs of inflows and you actually have someone of the big fund managers coming out saying, we're having a nibble now. If we look at markets on an, an, an equity risk premium basis, um, we're starting to see value. We haven't heard that yet, but if we do start hearing that, if the market continues to drop, when someone says, oh, you know, we're starting to see value, I think that will be a really positive sign. Listen to what these guys say. We're not there at the moment, but I, so I, I still think this market goes lower, but that's my view. All right. Well, let's, let's turn it over to the 10-year U.S. Treasury. You know, you, you kind of hit on bonds as being a safe haven asset. And, and look, I think it's got a great setup, Chris. We came out of a what we call a descending wedge. That tends to be my favorite reversal pattern. You can see those two blue lines. When we come out of a, re, a, a descending wedge, that is a reversal pattern, bullish reversal. We have yet failed we have failed yet yet failed we have failed yet to rally really out of that that formation however we are setting up boy head and shoulder pattern seems to be the talk of the town right now we have an inverted head and shoulder pattern in the 10-year so if we get back above 120 you know it was, and if you're talking about yields it's probably a move back below like 280 in the 10-year you know you get a move below there i think i think Yields might move lower as a, as a result, you know, bonds start rallying. And remember, this could be on a risk aversion play, so, slower growth, risk aversion, bonds, they tend to do better. And let's not, let's not, you know, ignore the fact that bonds have gotten the absolute, you know, pants just taken off taken off of them for this last it, year. You kept it clean, mate. You kept it I clean. I tried to keep it really clean. But anyway, what are your thoughts here on the bond market, Chris? Oh, I mean, it's got to roll now, hasn't it? It's got to roll after, after you know, the 60-40 portfolios. Yeah, they got smashed. And again, I'm keeping yeah. it clean as well. I mean, they, 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 they got destroyed and it was hard. You know, you have bonds in your portfolio because you, they, they play defense. Um, but if bonds are selling off because, you know, the Fed are basically guiding to higher rate hikes and, and the term premiums are changing and all these kind of factors playing through, yeah, you, you're going to get hurt on the equity and you're getting hurt on the, on the, on the fixed income side. And that's supposed to play defense. Because we've got the growth narrative being called, called into question, bonds are now acting and, and doing well within the portfolio again. They, they, they are um, finding some love. So I think, you know, for people who are long fixed income, long treasuries, either via the, the actual underlying or, you know, actually through their, through their superannuation or through their 401 or have they got an ETF or whatever it's going to be. Um, yeah, yeah the, the, the key line there, I work in yields. I know we obviously trade price, but we, um, yeah, we're 281 to your level there. If that breaks 281 on yield, um, I, I think there's, you know, the next stops for 50 day at 264. Um, but the, the, the big line that's been working really well all the way through this move up has been the 100 day and that comes in at 223. So that's the one you want to look at. So through 281, it gets real potentially move longer term over down to 223. So it's good there. Okay, Blake, let's flip it over to the euro dollar because I know this is going to be something that you would have been talking to a little bit with clients as well. Um, very simple chart here. Um, you can see that lower yellow line is the uh, 2017 low. That's uh, 103.50. 
Uh, we sort of hit that level just just shy of that last week, and then we've we've moved back into the former consolidation uh, zone as well. I thought we probably could get a little bit higher. Actually, I think you know I think I was looking at maybe getting up to 108. Just there was there was a few things that were setting off that suggested that the euro was a little bit underloved at the moment. Um, you know, if you look at relative. Um, you know, real dip rate differentials between US and Germany. It was suggesting that perhaps we could have got a bit of a squeeze higher. Um, obviously, that hasn't been the case. We were concerned, obviously, that that if we were to see a drawdown in equity, then then euro dollar was going to go lower, uh, and that's been the case. Um, but yeah, where do we go from him? I, I still think if we would take a rerun of what we saw in two thousand, um, that that we probably yeah could see some some dollar weakness. Um, but this chart is, is sort of make or break at the moment. Obviously, this is the one that everyone's focused on at the moment. So do we go through those uh, those lows, 103.41, which obviously then you're going to hear cries deafening of parity, uh, or has this got a, a you know, remnants to squeeze into that top horizontal line of 106.35, potentially into 108? What's your, what's your view here, Blake? Well, you know, if you would have asked me yesterday, Chris, I would have said, hey, we're going to pop right through that 10630. There's some lot of lot of uh, uh, very hawkish rhetoric from the ECB members, yeah. I think, not talked about a half basis point hike. And then all of a sudden the CPI data last night or yesterday for you uh, came in, you know, pretty, pretty weak, a little below expectations, sent the euro uh, kind of reeling today back below 105. So you know, and then you had the risk aversion on top of it. But I have to say, you know, if we get back above the 106.30, that is going to be a bullish setup for me because that's where we're past that that COVID spike low, post-COVID lockdown spike low. But there's a lot of room between here and there. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's definitely one on the radar. Uh, I'll go keep an open mind on that one. So, um, yeah, one to watch there. Well, let's flip it over to the, uh, since we're flipping, let's flip it over to the RAND. Because Zars is set up is the uh, the South African rant. Look, I, that was my best pi- uh, pirate I'm voice. Just, I'm just, do. I'm just trying to, uh, yeah, I'm trying to read it over to myself and see where you're going with this one, mate. To be honest, <laughs> well, okay, so, so uh, just so you, unless you didn't know, uh, the South African Central Bank, the SARB, is going to be actually raising rates, forecasted raising rates, half a basis point. Um, you know, tomorrow. And so they're raising rates from four and a quarter to 4.75%. Most economists believe that. Um, and this is going to be the first time that they've hiked rates half a basis point since for like the last <laughs> six years, since 2016 or 15 or something like that. Um, so the question is, are they going to be hawkish enough, you know, for the market? Because if they are going to be super hawkish, then, you know, maybe we're going to reject that resistance that comes in around, you know, the 1635, 1630 level. That is really key resistance. But look, CPI data came out today and it came in, you know, it came in at 3.9%. But is that going to be strong enough? A month over month came in a little weak, Chris. So I'm looking at this setup. Yeah, if they come in and they are, you know, not that hawkish. They're just, you know, they raise it half basis point and they kind of, you know, kind of wander a little bit. That dollar ran could not only rally because of a more dovish central bank, but also because we have a lot of risk aversion hitting the market. Yeah. Maybe the dollar catches a bit. So what do you think here? It's, it's hard to lean against this one um, in this kind of risk situation, but yeah, that the market's fully expecting them to raise 50 basis points. They could raise right. 25. I mean, that, that, that if, you, if, if they raise by 25, by only 25, 
Um, you know, you could see dollars at dollar Safa um, push through into, you know, into 16.30 and perhaps even beyond because the market is, is expecting that 50 basis point one there. So yeah, I wouldn't bet against that. I think they probably will probably raise 50 basis points. But yeah, from a trade, I think the probably risks are, especially in this risk-off environment that we go into test 16.30 and perhaps above that. So yeah, it's an interesting one. It's a good one for the radar. I don't think I do enough puns, Blake. I think I need to put more puns in. I think you're, you're, you you're the inspiration here. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's go into the play of the day. Let's see what's on the mind. Anyway, look, my, my play of the day is, as I've been talking about um, ad nauseum now, is this idea that, yeah, you are going to see that, that I, I, I believe that the risks are we continue to see equity weakness. Uh, I'm sure other people believe me. Leave a comment. Tell me what you think. But, um, yeah, I think uh, that China will probably outperform. Um, so rather than just go like one or one direction trade, great band, um, you know, I want to take a, a relative value play, a, a pairs trade by going long the H shares, the China H on, on our platform um, and, and short uh, the NASDAQ as a trade. Now, I'm. I am saying this before. I've just seen Tencent coming out with, with headlines that that stock's down nearly 10% because they've missed earnings. So that's probably not going to be a great one for the trade there. So obviously look into that. But the idea here is if I want to, I think that the, the PBIC are going to about to step it up in a big way. We've got a prime rate um, coming out tomorrow. I expect that to be cut. And so I'm rather than just being short the NASDAQ, I want to play this as a relative value. Well, I think China's going to outperform the US 10 cents aside. And I want to match those up. So I'm expecting China to outperform. And so for me, that's that that's the play of the day is 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 look to capture the outperformance there. Ooh, little little pairs trading. I like it, Chris. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just stick, I'm gonna just stick it to the crypto folks. Sorry, I'm still bearish Bitcoin. Mm. And you know, I, I kind of laid out the case earlier, and now technically you could see how we stopped at 161% expe- extension. That spike low to 25,000 to 300. That held us. Now, as long as we stay below 32,000, I believe there is a 20,000 test coming. Now, uh, the question is, do we do we just stop shy of 20,000? Or do we actually blow past 20,000 and really, you know, stop out the Robert Tr- Sailors of the world and wreck their worlds? It's Michael hard to Saylor. hard to know. Michael Saylor. Yeah. Oh, did I say, who did I say Sailor? I'm, uh, anyway, <laughs> Michael Sailor. Robert Sailor. Drunk, correct. Drunken Sailor. I've known a few sailors in the lifetime. Anyway, um, as long as we stay below that 32,500 level, I want to stay bearish. That's previous support. Even if we made it up to 35,000, that previous channel resistance, you know, I'd still be more on the bearish camp, but I like Bitcoin lower. Yeah, nice one. Okay, well, I'm um, doing what I do best and keeping it exotic. Uh, Blake's looking for lower levels in, in Bitcoin. And to be fair, I share that with him. Um, and we've gone through a lot of the factors that have plagued this, this, this market at the moment. Yeah, all the different things that are driving sentiments in this market. But again, we want to hear from you. So smash your comments. Make sure that you leave a comment. Make sure you hit the like button if you can. And share the program with your friends. Get them involved. Get them involved in the uh, in the community. Anyway, we'll see you for more for more next week on the trade off. <laughs>